Hello and welcome to the Lancet podcast. I'm Richard Lane on Friday, May the 9th. On the basis of our overall results, we estimate that if implemented on a UK-wide basis, the assist intervention could potentially reduce the number of 14 to 15-year-old school students taking up regular smoking by 43,000 each year. More about a school-based intervention to reduce teenage smoking in a moment. Here are a few other headlines from this week's issue. Combating counterfeit drugs. This week's lead editorial discusses a growing problem of counterfeit drugs, highlighting a possible counterfeiting case in America in which a contaminant found in batches of heparin is believed to have killed at least 81 people. The editorial concludes, There is no magic bullet to deal with counterfeit medicines. Countries need to adopt multi-pronged, multidisciplinary approaches to combat the problem. WHO and donor countries should provide support to developing nations to strengthen their drug regulatory systems. But individual governmental commitment to this goal is essential. Without it, public safety will continue to be compromised. In research, an article suggesting that diagnosing a carotid brie, a distinctive sound indicating a blockage in the carotid blood vessels, could identify people at risk of heart attack and cardiac death. And encouraging news suggesting that antiretroviral therapy made freely available in Malawi between 2004 and 2006 could be having an impact in reducing mortality in the 15 to 59 age group. Look out also for research about stem cells and graft-versus-host disease. And we have a new drugs class piece about the Vaptans, hormone-based treatment targeting the vasopressin system, which can reduce common ailments including period pain, glaucoma and psychotic disorders. Back to our main feature this week. Can school children help their peers quit smoking? Earlier I spoke to the lead author of the ASSIST study, Professor Rona Campbell from the University of Bristol in the UK. Professor Campbell, you're one of the authors of a research article in this week's issue of The Lancet dated May the 10th to the 16th. This is looking at interventions to reduce smoking in schools. Can we just talk generally to begin with? How common is smoking among teenagers and at schools, not just in the UK, but contrasting with other countries as well. Define the problem. Adolescent smoking is surprisingly common, unfortunately. The Global Youth Tobacco Survey, which is undertaken in 131 countries, found that just over 17% of young people aged 13 to 15 years reported using tobacco products and that 9% were current cigarette smokers. They recorded the highest rates of smoking amongst adolescents in America, a rate of 17.5%, and in Europe, a slightly higher rate of 18%. And in general terms, how can schools help target anti-smoking or tobacco reduction activities? Schools can and do help a lot to promote a non-smoking culture. And of course, schools in many countries are required to include health education about smoking in their curricula. The difficulty is, though, that systematic reviews of the evidence about the effectiveness of school-based anti-smoking interventions have produced um, very mixed evidence about their effectiveness. For example, the most recent Cochrane systematic review by Thomas and Pereira found that in only half of the best quality trials was there evidence of a reduction in smoking and intervention compared with control schools. And this mixed evidence has led some to call for school-based smoking prevention work 
to be abandoned in favor of a greater effort being put into smoking cessation instead. And research up until now, Professor Campbell, how has that informed us um, about, the, about the way children go about smoking in their early teenage years? Well, there's a good deal of evidence to show that whether or not a young person smokes is strongly associated with their friend's smoking behaviour. Peer pressure is often used to explain this finding, although the evidence suggests that peer selection, through which young people associate with like-minded people who engage in similar behaviours, is also an important factor. However, it's important to recognise that peer pressure, or as we prefer to call it peer influence, can be protective and this has led to attempts to harness it to good effect through peer education. In terms of the ASSIST trial, which is the name of the randomised trial that we're publishing in this week's issue of The Lancet, you're one of the authors. Can you just briefly outline the objectives of the ASSIST study? ASSIST aimed to spread and sustain new norms of non-smoking behaviour amongst secondary school students aged 12 to 13 years using an informal peer-led approach. And the ASSIST intervention was adapted from the Popular Opinion Leader initiative that was developed by Professor Jeff Kelly in the United States for the promotion of sexual health in adults. The ASSIST training program was in several phases. First of all, the young people were asked to nominate who they thought the influential students were in their year group. And then the most frequent nominees were invited to a recruitment meeting where the role of being what we called a peer supporter was explained to them. They were then asked if they would like to attend a training course to become a peer supporter. If they agreed to that, then we sought parental consent for that training. The peer supporters who smoked were told that they could train to be a peer supporter, provided they agreed to try and give up smoking. The peer supporters um, attended a two-day training event held outside of school using external trainers. And at that training, they learned about the risks of smoking and the health and economic benefits of not smoking. Um, and they did communication skills and group work and learned about negotiation and conflict resolution, sensitivity to others. In general, the training was designed to build their confidence and self-esteem. And then they also received another four school-based sessions after this initial two-day training. What was the response like from the schools that you approached? Because you cast the net quite widely, didn't you? But your analysis only focuses on a specific number of schools. Well, we initially approached 131 schools to see if they would like to participate in the trial. And we had um, a very substantial number of them indicate an interest in the trial. And in fact, the interest was so great that we were actually able to undertake a stratified random sample of schools into the trial before we then randomly allocated them to intervention and control schools. Over a 10-week period following the training, the peer supporters were asked to have conversations with other students in their year group about the benefits of not smoking. And it's through these conversations um, and their own behavior that it was hoped the peer supporters would um, encourage their peers not to smoke and in that way reduce smoking uptake. The peer supporters were asked to undertake their role of encouraging their peers not to smoke over a 10-week period. So the study involved 10,730 secondary school students aged 12 to 13 years uh, who attended 59 schools in the southwest of England and South Wales. 29 schools were randomly assigned to the control group and asked to continue their normal smoking education, and 30 schools were assigned to receive the ASSIST training program in addition to their normal smoking education 
and they comprised the intervention group. We collected follow-up data immediately after the intervention and at one and two years. And the outcomes that we examined were smoking in the past week in both the whole school year group and in a group of students who were occasional experimental or ex-smokers at baseline and therefore at high risk of regular smoking uptake. And we also collected saliva samples and assayed them to measure cotinine in order to be able to assess the levels of misreporting of smoking behaviour. Before we talk about results, can you just clarify in the UK what is meant by, if you like, conventional advice given to teenagers about smoking, i.e. the control arm? That would be conventional teacher-led health education pointing out the harms of smoking. So, Professor Campbell, how would you summarise the results? We found that students in the intervention group of schools were 25% less likely to take up regular smoking than those in the control group immediately after the intervention had been run in their school, 23% less likely to start regular smoking after one year, and 15% less likely after two years. The corresponding percentage reduction for the high-risk group, that's the occasional experimental ex-smokers, were 21% immediately after 25% after one year and 15% after two years. Our primary planned analyses involved a three-tier multi-level statistical model using data from all three follow-ups together. And here we found that students in the intervention group of schools were 22% less likely to be a smoker than those in the control group. And we also undertook a number of pre-planned subgroup analyses which showed that the intervention did not have a differential effect according to student sex or whether or not they were a peer supporter or according to deprivation which we measured by free school meal entitlement. However, we did find that the intervention seemed to have a more pronounced effect in schools located in the South Wales Valleys. On the basis of our overall results, we estimate that if implemented on a UK wide basis, the assist intervention could potentially reduce the number of 14 to 15 year old school students taking up regular smoking by 43,000 each year. And in terms of the implications of the data, you've already touched on this, what could happen in the UK? Two thoughts really. How confident are we in the data? There are some borderline significance there. And also, this is very much a UK picture. Do you think it's generalisable to other countries as well? Comparing the results at one year follow-up with those at two years, there is clearly some attenuation of the effect, with that effect no longer reaching conventional levels of statistical significance. However, in the primary planned analyses using the multi-level model and including data from all three follow-ups, we did show a statistically significant reduction in the odds of being a smoker in intervention compared with control schools of 22%. So I think we can be reasonably confident that the assist intervention was effective in reducing smoking uptake in adolescents. Whether or not the results are generalizable to uh, non-UK school populations, I think yes they are. We recruited a very broad range of different types of schools to the trial and there are no reasons to think that the results that we obtained could not be reproduced when the intervention is rolled out more widely, providing the assist training program is implemented in the way that we did. Professor Campbell, thanks very much for talking to The Lancet. Thank you. And a linked comment praises the ASSIST study, though points out how smoking reduction programmes also need to be addressed outside the school environment. (laughs) 
Well, that concludes this week's Lancet podcast. Thanks for listening. See you next week.